It's an autonomous. It's an autonomous. It's an autonomous. I'm too tired for this. It's an autonomous. It's an autonomous. Autonomous. You can't say it's, that on the podcast. It's, it's cut, an, cut, cut. It's an autonomous. Was that correct? Yes. Now I don't even know what the name is. So hello, Janina. Hi, Paul. What are we doing today? What are we doing today? Well, Janina, we've been so busy with other stuff that uh, we're going to do some catching up today, and we're going to talk about Sheesta Mobility Week. Yes. Which was actually last week. Yes. Well, it was actually probably two weeks ago when we were releasing this podcast. Oh. Yes. Guys. It's midsummer. It's midsummer here in Sweden. It's our biggest celebration of the year, almost. Yeah. So, so actually, when you're listening to this, you'll probably find I'm on holiday. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> Paul on holiday. But, but Janina's <laughs> slaving away in the in the editing studio to get this yes. podcast out to you, and we're going to talk about Ericsson Mobility Week and a little special interview at the end with a with a very special guest. We are talking about Sister Mobility Day today. Ah. Hmm. Not week. Yeah. It's so good, it would, it would fit a normal week. <laughs> yes. So we were there on the side, Paul, looking at all the stuff that they were showing there. And we saw the Enride T-Pod. The Enride uh, T-Pod. Yeah. That's, uh, going that, that's back and forth and around uh, and around. And just to be clear, that's the Enride T-Pod, not the Enride T-Pod. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, so it's a big truck. It's a big truck. Without anyone uh, controlling it. Well... Someone is probably in the background somewhere because they have to, they might need to do some. They need to tell it where to go. Yeah, they need to do, well, they, and also there was a lot of people running around it, <laughs> like you were <laughs> photographing it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it's, a, it's an autonomous vehicle, uh, which means there's no driver, which looks quite weird when <laughs> you see it. It looks quite weird. <laughs> yes. But that wasn't the only autonomous vehicle that was there. No. Uh, we had an autonomous road sweeper as well. Ooh, Rather, yes. you know, go around. It's a bit like a bit like uh, your robot grass grass cutter. Or I would say but, more um, of an office cleaning machine, like those uh, big things that they they uh, drive up down yeah. corridors. Corridors. Yeah, but then it's always like with someone controlling it. This yes. one was going all by itself, sweeping the streets. Like your robot grass cutter. Yes. yes. Uh, yeah. Grass mower. Mm. We also saw some drones. Yeah, we were very interesting presentation. Let's go back a step. Yes. She's the Mobility Day. We closed the streets and uh, we had uh, parts of parts of Shista which were closed off for traffic. Uh, so we had uh, we had the the, um, the teapot uh, driving up and down the streets. We had uh, a, a connected uh, Volvo. Car driving around and uh, and, a, and a connected um, moped as well, and they were showing how uh, traffic management, uh, traffic safety systems, could interact between vehicles to to, to make the road safer. That was really interesting. Uh, there were, we had a, a big stage, 
uh, and people on stage, including dear Borja Ekholm. Our CEO. Uh, our CEO, who was there talking about, uh, you know, the vision for the future. Um, and uh, but but also we we listened to an interesting presentation around drones and uh, not just you know, a, a little bit of what drones could be used for, but also some of the challenges around using drones in built-up areas, uh, you know, in terms of safety aspects and those things. Um, and uh, we got to talk to Petra Dolunda, who's uh, from the Urban ICT Arena, uh, which is a co-creation testbed here in Chisto. My name is Petra Dalunde and I'm Chief Operating Officer for the Testbed Urban ICT Arena. Cool, and we just saw something, we saw you on stage here and you were talking about drones. Yes, that's the next step in the testbed here in Kista. We are going to uh, apply to get fundings in order to establish a testbed for drones in the urban environment. Wow, and I mean we, we have this... So yeah. what, what are the issues with using drones in an urban yeah, environment? Why aren't everyone using them already now? Because it's prohibited to fly drones over people and also over um, cities. So that, that is one. one reason. So we're basically regulating the new possibilities that drones bring us. Yes, and also one thing that is super important is that we map the airspace, that we can cover the airspace and divide it in different corridors or areas where different kinds of drones can fly in different directions, so you uh, decrease risk of, of accidents happening. But also, if you have a covered airspace, you can also identify drones that shouldn't be there. Aha, so the drones, they need to get smarter. The drones will get smarter um, and the surrounding environment will defini definitely get smarter and it will be a fully automated system in the same way as automated cars. Mm -hmm. So there will not be people dr uh, flying uh, the drones, they will be fully automated in a, in a system. And hopefully then connected uh, with 5G networks. <laughs> yes, um, to begin with 4G LTE, but eventually uh, 5G, of course. Yeah. And, and, and from what you've said, what, what you expect to see is like invisible roads through the streets where, or through or over the streets where drones will fly automatically knowing where to turn and how to reach the destination. That's quite a futuristic view you're, you're, you're painting there, Paul. Well, it is, but I but don't know. Have you, have you seen these movies from back in the 1930s where they show like streams of flying vehicles yeah. going through the sky? It's the same thing. <laughs> Will that be the future? Definitely. I think the drones makes us humans three-dimensional. So what they will be able to do, they will transport stuff for us, heart starters, blood and organs between hospitals, so they can fly from point to point, the Fågelvägen, <laughs> the shortest way. As the crow flies. Yes, exactly. Um, so that is one thing. And they will also be super good at collecting data in a very easy and flexible way. And also the third thing that they will be able to do is to do services for us. Perhaps it will be a drone that flies and exchanges lamp in the, in the motorway streetlight uh, infrastructure. Ah. Or perhaps there will be drones being the lights in the motorway infrastructure. <laughs> Fascinating stuff. And, and I can see behind me there's a there's an unmanned lorry reversing. 
<laughs> so, so almost I'm, we're I'm already there. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much. Let's. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing these uh, very futuristic uh, things come to life. Thank you. We also uh, went over to the ambulance and this ambulance we have talked about before on this podcast because it's using 5G to send uh, images and to send uh, like motions from a glove over 5G to a hospital for directly from the ambulance. So a doctor can get both uh, sensory information and like information from a... Um, Ultrasound? Ultrasound, yes. Yeah. So, and there we met uh, with one of our Ericsson people, Katte Öhman, who's... Uh, going to tell us about... Yes. All about the ambulance and uh, remote data transfer how, from, uh, from uh, emergency services. And how that has to do with voice over 5G, I guess. And voice over 5G. <laughs> and just a little <laughs> snippet. That particular street actually has 5G. Yeah, it does. It's part of our 5G test network in mm. Chester. Yeah. But let's hear from Kati. Here we are by the ambulance that we talked about a couple of podcasts ago. And we uh, we said come to Chester Mobility Week because we will be showing 5G in an ambulance. Yeah, and here we are. And here we are. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and we are also here with Kati Öhman. Yes, hi. And you are our voice over LTE expert? Yes, more or less. I'm actually doing marketing, so maybe not an expert on the technology itself. But anyways, I'm here and I can show you our latest innovation that relates to voice over LTE and 5G and what we could possibly do in the future. Yeah. If we collaborate together in the industry, we need uh, support from everyone, even our competitors. Plus. Good bridging me- yes. message there. Yep. So what we're showing here is actually how we could evolve today's mobile voice service that you have, all of you, on your uh, mobile phones today. So we have uh, voice over LTE on many smartphones today in many networks, uh, still being rolled out globally. So we started looking into how could we evol- evolve the voice service for 5G. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to clarify, mm-hmm. voice over LTE, that's, that's the service that provides voice telephone calls yes. on the 4G LG, LTE exactly. network. Exactly. Could be voice and video calls. Yeah. So what we've done is uh, you take the basic voice and video call that you have on your smartphone and then we added uh, our innovation concept which we call a data channel, an IMS data sh- channel. IMS is the IP multimedia subsystem that is the core network technology that enables voice calls over LTE uh, and also 5G uh, is going to be uh, enabled by this. So what we've done is then we add this IMS data channel and that means we can start doing real-time interaction over a phone call. And we've set up a demo here to show one use case for this. I mean, we could do a number of different things. I mean, this is still in in innovation and exploration phase. But what we're doing here now is we have an ambulance. It's actually a real ambulance out here in the street. Um, And here I am as a playing the paramedic in the ambulance and I have my patient Paul are you going to be the patient maybe I'm going to be very impatient you're going to be impatient so if you can just I'm um, I'm impatiently watching a self-driving truck go uh, past okay so if you can put out your hand I will put up some this gooey glue thing glub I don't know what it's called it's a gel so I can perform an ultrasound on you okay and first we're going to call the doctor uh, at the hospital because I'm not an expert I'm just uh, the ambulance uh, paramedic uh, so we're going to call the doctor in the hospital. Yes. Um, 
And we now have a voice and video call set up between the ambulance and uh, the hospital and we're driving in fast speed here out in the, about in the countryside. And we can see network. that on, on two screens here. We can see one ultrasound screen and uh, one where we can have direct contact with the, the hospital. Yeah, yeah. So we have the voice and video call set up here. We're communicating with the doctor. So now I'm going to do an ultrasound on Paul here. And I'm wearing a haptic glove. And uh, the doctor in the hospital is actually now using a joystick to steer this glove remotely. So you can actually feel this glove is vibrating. So she can steer now if I'm going to move this uh, um, probe to the left or right to do the ultrasound on your hand to see if you maybe have a blood clot, maybe you need to be transported quickly to the hospital to have emergency sur uh, surgery. Yeah, maybe I'm pregnant. Yeah, maybe you're pregnant, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> or maybe you're not that sick at all, so then the ambulance can slow down the speed and not, you know, drive fast through the cities yeah. and, and uh, so forth. Yeah. So all of this th is then done over 5G with low latency, so you really have this remote ultrasound uh, over 5G. And this is really in real time. So this is... Uh, great use case I think uh, to use and um, of course there could be a lot of other things you can do with this technology still in innovation so we need help to um, standardize this in 3GPP minor updates I would say in IMS and related uh, radio and uh, packet core maybe and also of course devices would need to support this so chipset uh, would also need to have this uh, capability for 5G so we hope we can make this uh, reality for a global service in the near future in an ambulance coming to you soon, <laughs> yes. or, or hopefully not coming to you soon. Uh, hopefully not coming to you soon, exactly. <laughs> That's a good conclusion, and uh, sorry about the noise in the background, but uh, yeah, this is one of the use cases shown here at Chista uh, Mobility. Talking Day. about Enride that we did, uh, we mentioned previously, uh, we also got to talk straight to the CTO of Enride, Per. Degeman. Degeman, yes. Yeah. Uh, and do you know where the name come from? No, please tell me. Oh, uh, Enride. If you if you look it up, um, it's uh, it's an old Norse name, which amongst other things is a is one of the names for what what's, what Janina would call Thor, which I would call Thor, the the god of thunder. Uh, but it means like the lone traveller, which is uh, for these self-driving trucks, or as I like to call it, the lone ranger. <laughs> yes. So they'll probably, int they'll probably introduce a little one and call it Tonto. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh. Um, I always thought it was Einride. I thought it was E-I-N, and I thought it was German, but mm. it's actually pronounced Enride. Now we know. Now we know. Mm. So... Over to Pat. Hi, Pat Legeman, CTO of Enride. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. <laughs> yeah. Hello. Hi, Pat. Thank you very much for having me. I'm I'm so 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 pleased to be here and, and being able to speak about. Uh, about Enride uh, a little bit and how we're we're benefiting from 5G. And and, and where is here? Because you're because we're in Chester and you're not with us. Well, I'm not, but I'm not so far away. I'm in the central parts of Stockholm, where we have a very nice office. Um, uh, we're also have an office in Gothenburg, and we're doing most of our our vehicle testing when we're not at customers uh, outside of Borås at a test track. 
called Ask Zero. Okay. Ah, I've been to cool. Brawls. Mm-hmm. Have you been to Astastero? Not that I can remember, but, mm-hmm. but uh, Ericsson has or had a big factory in Burroughs. Ah. ah, okay. Cool. And you should also know that Ericsson has a 5G installation at the test track. Yes, and that we need to know all about. But first, we need to uh, do the basics here. So we went to the Kista uh, Mobility Week here, Paul and I, and we saw the T-Pod which is like this uh, big truck, which is, can I say that it's on a, autonomous or can I say that it's, what, what what's how do co- you describe what's, yeah, it? What's the correct terminology? Um, yeah, it depends on who you ask, but if you ask me, it's actually a, an autonomous vehicle capable of level four, according to the standard. Uh, the standard is being standardized within SAE, J3016, um, but it's also complemented by a remote driving capabilities. So as soon as the autonomous drive is um, unable to, to handle a situation, uh, it will simply ask a human being for help. Yeah, and, ah. and, and SAE, is that Society of Automotive Engineers? Yeah, that is correct. It's a standardization body within, within automotive, more or less. Janine is looking impressed. Yes. <laughs> Very impressed by Paul there. Yes. He did his homework. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And I'm... that is the thing, right? Because uh, the article I just read about Enride was that, oh, you were first, not Google, Tesla or Volvo. Yeah, that is correct. And, and the, the thing that we're first with is actually driving this type of vehicle on on public roads in the setting that we had in Chista. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that was a world's first. And I, I mean, if you look at, at Waymo, they have been driving in, in Phoenix, Arizona for quite some time, and they have been driving in San Francisco area for even longer, mm-hmm. um, which is also inner city environments. But the thing is that we don't have a human being on board. Okay. Oh, so this is, this is so first time driving with nobody on the vehicle. And in yes. fact, in fact, the interesting exactly. thing with your teapot on public roads, on public roads, the interesting thing with the yes. teapot is there's no place to put a person on the vehicle. No, no, there's just place for for bananas or or apples or or milk or whatever our customer wants transported. Yeah, wow. And it, and, and, and it, and it looks very futuristic. It does. It is very futuristic. Yeah. It's, uh, what if you've got a self-driving vehicle? Why do you need a cab for a driver? You don't. Yeah. It does no, look looks I, like something for, from the future, indeed. Yes, and the, the looks of the vehicle is actually very, very important because as you, as you understand, when you have no driver on board, then people in, in the vehicle surroundings need to, to react slightly different. Mm-hmm. There's no way of having eye contact with the driver, for example. And then it's important that the vehicle itself looks in a way that you you feel that you can trust the vehicle, that it would be nice to you, more or less, mm-hmm. um, so that you don't get scared away of the vehicle. Aha. Wow. So you've been working that, that this should be the, like, the first impression of this vehicle with, like, uh, industry design and stuff like that, so... Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. Uh, one thing is the interaction with other traffic participants. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially pedestrians and bicyclists. Yeah. Uh, the other one is that 
for, for the customers which actually need to get work done, you need to you need to emphasize that the vehicle is there to do work. So it needs to needs to show that it means business. So it's it's a thin rope to walk on to to distinguish between between being friendly and meaning business. Mm. Um, I, I believe that when we have designed the the teapot, we have struck a tone on that, and I think that we come pretty close in in actually achieving those. Mm. But but what's the concept then behind the teapot? What 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 do you see it being used for? The the concept is. Uh, that the teapot, the vehicle itself, is part of a transport system. What we are selling at Enride is not the vehicles, but it is transport. So we are a transport as a service oriented company. Uh, and of course, the vehicles are uh, a very important part in that. That is what enables the transport in the end. But they are being utilized as parts and execution capabilities in this transport system. And how is this connected to 5G? Uh, good question to ask. <laughs> the vehicles themselves, as I said, the vehicles themselves, they are part of a system. And being part of the system means that you will need to be always connected. Mm -hmm. um, and that, of course, means that connectivity is a fundamental thing of these vehicles. And what you get with 5G uh, as opposed to previous cellular standards, is, is several things. Um, I, I think that most importantly what you get is that you get true quality of service all the way down to the radio layer. Uh, with uh, the network slicing that's being offered in 5G, you can dedicate part of the spectrum to safety-critical applications. And I, I would argue that... Um, a vehicle such as T-Pod is um, in parts a safety critical application, which requires its own piece of the of the bandwidth. Um, moreover, 5G uh, enables lower latencies and higher bandwidths, which is good for us because our vehicles they produce quite a bit of data, uh, and that data needs to be available for the rest of the platform at at low latencies. Mm -hmm. especially when it comes to us remote driving the vehicle, which we do from time to time. Ah, yeah. Is that when uh, when you need to do something manually? Yes, exactly. Um, uh, when you design a automated vehicle, um, it will be a robot, and that robot will never take any type of risk co connecting to driving the vehicle. Mm -hmm. um, this also means that it will be challenging to actually be efficient in progressing through traffic because most other traffic participants, they do take risks while maneuvering their vehicles. Um, so that means that the, the robot, the autonomous drive system, it will be stunned at times and it will be unable to handle the situation. It might be, let's give an example because that might be more tangible. Um, you're driving down a road where we have opposing traffic in the other lane. And all of a sudden there is a vehicle that had, have had a breakdown or being double parked, a situation that occurs quite, quite frequently. A robot is by design forbidden to drive in the opposing lane because um, it isn't allowed by regulation. Mm. Um, so then the robot will never be able to break that regulation because it's programmed into its system to not break the law. 
And in this situation, in order to, to move around the obstacle, a human being needs to step in, take a calculated risk that, okay, in this situation, it's actually okay to, to break the rules. Mm-hmm. So, so then the human can actually maneuver the, the vehicle safely around the obstacle and then the autonomous drive can continue. Wow. And you are now licensed to drive at five kilometers an hour. So for people out there, this is a slow ride. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It, it absolutely is. It absolutely but is. But steady. Uh, but the thing, yeah, the thing is that the... The transport flow that we're doing for our customer, in this case, mm-hmm. Schenker, um, the entire transport flow is 300 meters long. So it doesn't really matter whether you drive 5 kilometers per hour or, or 20 kilometers per hour. Mm-hmm. Um, the delivery times doesn't increase very much. And you need to start somewhere. Yeah, of course. Uh, and uh, can so people can see these pods, T-pods when they drive uh, on these 300 meters between... It's because it's it's, uh, uh, but it, or is that that within a face uh, a fenced-in area? No, it isn't, and, and mm. that's really the big thing. It's on a public road. It is. Uh, so so anyone can go there. It's just south of Jönköping and okay. see the depot in action. South of Jönköping in in the middle of Sweden. In the yes. Middle in the south of Sweden. Hmm. South of Sweden. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On a global scale. <laughs> yeah, on a global scale, somewhere in Sweden. <laughs> somewhere in Sweden. Somewhere in Sweden. That is amazing. Uh, and also, we wanted to say a little bit about uh, the what, what is Enride as a company. So you are, you are, uh, uh, you're, you're. <laughs> sorry, Paul, help me here. You're just like help I'm me. tired. <laughs> you. You have transport solutions, but where did you start? This is a Swedish company. When did you start? And it's pr- pronounced Enride, right? That is correct. Yeah. Enride so can you give me give us some a little bit of background? Sure, sure. Um, the company was funded by our current CEO, uh, Robert Falk. He was working at Volvo Powertrain at that time being responsible for a number of factories throughout Europe. Mm. And what he realized is two things. Uh, he did uh, automation within the, on the factory floor producing the drivetrain of Volvo trucks. Mm. So he realized that, hey, this automation could be extended to actually work outside the factory walls. Uh, and that forms the basis of what Enride is, is to extend the the automated movement of articles and goods even outside of the what is currently the factories. So move them out on the roads uh, where you have large transport demands and where you can make significant savings in terms of efficiency. Mm. Then another thing is that he also realized that within the business plan of Volvo, diesel engines would still be there when him and me would retire mm. and we all know that um, we need to do something about our climate and having diesel engines in your program in in 30 or 40 years time is not the way to go right so going for electric drive is really our way of saying that we're 
doing what we can to sort this out. The house is on fire and we need to do mm. something. So this is what we're doing. So, yeah. it's, so it's a fully electric vehicle? It's a fully electric vehicle. It uh, has a battery capacity of roughly 200 kilowatt hours, um, which gives it a range of, of 200 kilometers, which actually covers roughly 60% of, of all of the transport demands in Sweden. Mm. And, and does it uh, does it have like solar panels on the roof and self charging, or do you, does it take itself to a charging station? It, it does take itself to to a charging station. Uh, interestingly enough, the the battery capacity is not really um, a limiting factor for us, um, mm. since uh, what we're doing is that we're also optimizing the the transport routes and transport lanes uh, towards the. Uh, the constraints of, of using battery electric vehicles. Mm. This means that we can re-optimize the transport, uphold the uh, the requirements on transport demand from our customers, while also being able to stop and recharge the vehicles. Another good thing about having an autonomous vehicle is that even if you have to stop and recharge and, and stay for four hours, there's no one waiting around for the vehicle to charge uh, because there's no driver on board. Mm. Mm. Yeah, that makes sense. And now it is then rolling uh, at DB Schenker uh, in Jönköping. And it's, what is it? Is it picking up and delivering goods from different stations? Yes. Or? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's between two warehouses. Mm. So they have inbound logistics on, on one warehouse and they have outbound logistics on the other side. And between those, goods need to be transported. Mm. So and, it's really normally, a repetitive flow. Normally, so that would be done then by a driver. Yes, yes. Yeah. Currently, they have a very old diesel vehicle with a, a driver doing this road, and we, we get the. It's quite interesting because you get the feedback while you're on the site, where you have lots and lots of truck drivers coming through, and you might be a little bit afraid that they might be angry with you because you we can't take their jobs away. But it actually it's the other way around. They say that. Oh, good that we don't have to do this boring work. Because <laughs> driving back and forth in an industrial area is not really what truck drivers want to do. Yeah. 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 So, so have you told them that truck driving is going to be an office job in the future? Yes, we have. And we have actually spoken to, to, the, uh, to the unions and uh, discussing with them. And one, one of the big challenges in the Western European countries today is that one, there's a shortage of truck drivers, uh, so there's a larger demand than what what we have people that are willing to drive trucks. And the other one is that we have a large influx from uh, low-wage countries, which is taking our our transport from, from the national drivers. So this means that there's a, a huge pressure in, in pricing when it comes to transport, which means that it's, it's complex to, to get a sustainable business model for um, for Swedish countries which uh, pay reasonable wages to their drivers and also have reasonable working conditions mm. because what they need to compete with is low-wage drivers which are accepting poorer and lesser working conditions than what you could expect. So this is also something that's interesting for um, shipping companies in general. There. Absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, it is. Yeah. So, so do you see this uh, 
as a general replacement for for trucks on road transport, or do you see this mainly being deployed as it is at the moment in maybe in port authorities or transport around mining mines or something of that sort? It will be a gradual rollout, um, and there are always um, different scenarios and different use cases, which is more or less uh, applicable for autonomous vehicle. Mm. Um, but but I see it in in many cases it will be a good replacement for the current system that we have. In other cases, we will still see manually driven vehicles in uh, for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. One example could be inner city driving, where the drivers actually have a very good function. They, if you're driving bread to store in in Stockholm, for example, you're normally also responsible for unloading the truck with the bread and actually moving the bread out into the store. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you're also responsible for the customer connection with the store, so that you can ask them whatever bread they need for for the next round or or be the happy face that the that the customer uh, remembers in the end. Mm-hmm. So so you need a bread delivery robot that sits in the back of the truck <laughs> that when the lorry arrives it can offload it the high. bread. Yeah. 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 Or or we we keep the humans beings for for the task that we're yeah. good at. For what yeah, for what human beings are good at, which is basically socializing. Yeah. That sounds good. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We should socialize, we should be friendly, we should speak to each other and that's yeah. what we do good. Great. Uh, and can I just ask, uh, what are you working on with Ericsson at the moment? Do you have any new things coming up? Uh, yes, uh, we'll integrate more deeply into the Ericsson ecosystem. Uh-huh. Uh, and that means that we're sharing data in a more integrated fashion. Um, this will enable us to, to further optimize and connect our, our transport system uh, and also connect to more external sources. So that's a huge possibility for, for us. Uh, I also believe that there's a huge opportunity for Exxon actually going into to this area of offering services. Cool. I'm sure uh, our technology and emerging business area are working hard on that with you. <laughs> yes, they are. They are. And we're, we're having great fun. Uh, Ericsson is a good company to work with. I highly appreciate being able to, to work in this setting. Okay, thank you, Pad, for, for participating here in our podcast. And uh, good luck for us in the future. But before you go, is that if uh, if people are interested in the Enride truck, is there a place they can go for more information? Uh, please visit our our website, enride.tech. Um, I should also mention that we are recruiting, oh. so have a look at our career site. Yeah, and cool. I and I've seen you have some interesting videos on YouTube as well. Oh yes, absolutely. I, I mean, we're in in most social medias. Um, you can follow us on, on Facebook as well as on Instagram uh, and on YouTube. And we're constantly updating our media profile and releasing new material, material there. And, Great. And it's really cool technology. It is. It looks really cool. Thank you it's, so much. It's actually very, very, very cool on the inside as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow.
Okay, so if you uh, if anyone's listening and they and they want the dream job, then you know yeah. where to send your application. We'll uh, link was, your website in was, the podcast. Uh, what we had uh, for thank you very much. Thank you for this week's podcast. This week's podcast, yeah. you've heard all about five G, connected vehicles, drone activities. <laughs> And everything else. Uh, well, what it's going to be used for, uh, we, we've uh, we've avoided being run over by automatic vehicles. We've uh, bravely gone out and, and uh, enjoyed the sunshine. And yeah. uh, that's all Autonomous vehicles. Or, autonomous sunshine. <laughs> or autonomous sunshine. We go, yes. we're, we've uh, been working on our autonomous suntans. Yes. So that's all for that's this week, That's all folks. for this week. See you next week. Bye. Bye.